So, welcome to another episode. Hello? Can you hear can you hear me? I can I can hear you. I can. Let me at least Go ahead. No, you the intro. No, you go you go ahead. Let me What? <laughs> Let me just When we talk at the same time, it's very Okay. It's through the internet, so Okay, I'm ready. I'll I'll be quiet. So, Welcome to another episode of I Mustache You Something. I've got my good friend from high school, uh, Jesse Newman. Hi. Um, and Jesse has not been prepped at all. We haven't pre-discussed anything. Uh, he would let her, literally not let me get in a word edgewise, as you heard in the last couple minutes here oh. getting started. I think anything I have to say is so much more important than anything you have to say. I just don't think it's fair to your audience to to cut my audio out. And I know there's only, you know, it's very expensive. This Zoom time is very expensive. So we only have a limited amount of time. So I think it's better if I just do most of the talking. So what do you think this is about now that like we're here and we're recording? Like, why are we talking? We, we're talking because you and I have a shared past. We, we met at a critical point in our lives, we met when we were both in seventh grade. Is that right? Seventh grade. Also known as the worst time to be a boy ever. Probably a girl too, but it is just, there's no worse time to be a boy. Nothing right. works. You're, everything's growing. The, there's body things happening. You, you feel like you're under surveillance. Everybody's look. It's it's a it's a crucible of uncomfortability and and anxiety and and sickness really. I feel like that was just sick, sick all the time. And we met we met at this time, and so our friendship is forged in the the awful embarrassment and self consciousness and and doubting years of middle school. And somehow we both made it through. And so I imagine we're going to talk about. Uh, the shared qualities of resilience and, uh, in my case, heroicism. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. You're a doctor. I guess you help people, but I really help people. Uh, so I don't know, but no, well, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm excited to talk about something with you because I mean, I, I you're, you're a great actually, guy and I love you. I think you're actually spot on because, you know, I, I was going to share with you and kind of prep you that like a lot of the um, people that are probably going to be listening to this are going to be um, Coptic people, like Egyptian uh, Christians. Um, and I think that... To, to whom I say, L'chaim and Mazel Tov. That's a, I believe that's a Coptic phrase. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mazel absolutely. Tov. Um, <laughs> Buenos dias to my... <laughs> it's like that scene from... Uh, uh, my big fat Greek wedding. We're like, oh, I, th I had a secretary. I think she was Greek. Wasn't she Greek? Like <laughs> Guatemala. <laughs> there, there it is. All right. So, uh, so I think you know a lot of the people that I'm I'm talking to are Egyptian, but I think that um, a lot of us don't know what that means to be Egyptian American, and a lot of people don't really. And this is not like, you know, people that aren't Coptic, like, no, people that are Coptic don't know what it means to be Coptic. 
Right. So I thought it would be interesting to get your perspective as someone who. Do you want me to tell them what it's like to be Coptic? I could explain I mean, that. I them. mean, like, what was your um, impression of, like, like you were like, oh, like, you, you don't look Jewish, so what are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what was my impression of, of you as a, as a, well, a non... Like, like, I think my your impression of me personally as this, like... It was very awkward, poor. Like, it was very know? low. Very, yeah, <laughs> I had a very poor impression of you. Yeah, I can tell. No redeeming qualities to whatever I had going in seventh grade. Um, so what, where, what did that mean to you that like you said like oh like you're not because our our you know middle school high school was like seventy something percent Jewish. Sure, so, more probably. Probably more, right? So so the people who weren't Jewish were kind of like oh like what does that mean that you're not Jewish? Like, oh, Christian. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Right. Egyptian Christian. Like, what is that? Right. So what did that, how did that come across to you? Well, um, yeah, our neighborhood was a uh, very upper middle class, at least 75% uh, Jewish, if not more. And I mean, I would venture to guess like 90, 95% white, you know, like 95% yeah, not people of color. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, like, um, uh, I, like, I think in a, and, and you, you can steer me if I'm going in the, down the wrong rabbit hole, but, you know, like, um, many of the conversations we have now around, around diversity and people of color um, start from this place of, of otherness, right? And we think, like, you know, well, we learn American history, and then we learn uh, Hispanic Heritage Month because it's something else. Like we go back, then we go back to regular history, which is white history, you know. Or we might learn about, you know, um, might learn about like, um, um, you know, gay rights. Then we get back to regular rights, which are the rights of everybody, you know. So the normal people, the typical people. So you know, I think for me, um, I very much grew up in an area where, like many people who are dealing with identity <clears throat> and bias and race and, and all that stuff, trying to sort that stuff out. Now, you know, I grew up thinking that I was like the regular kind of person and that anyone who looked different was that other kind of person. So like I had a Chinese friend, he was a Chinese guy. I was aware that there were Koreans, which was like kind of like Chinese, but not exactly the same. And then there was that. And then there were Indian kids who were not the same as Native Americans Indians that were like Indian, like from India and and like all Indian and sort of brownish people were like in that category. And then there were black people, which we had hardly, I think there was one black kid and I was like, oh, what, what is that? And then they were like, no, I'm out of here, you know? So um, as far as being Jewish, I was kind of like, um, you know, like we have Jewish American history. And so like, then when that happened, I think like, oh, so like, I guess Jewish is like, that's a specific thing, not just part of being white. I think for me, because Judaism is something that you don't, first of all, I'm not all that observant, but even as a, a mildly observant Jew, Mazel tov, um, uh, Judaism is not something you see on the surface, you know? So like when you see a black person or a person of color or a brown person or an Asian person, they wear that literally on their face so that they don't have the liberty of hiding that. So for me, being Jewish was like, you know, that was a part, but because we were so in such a Jewish community, it didn't stick out. 
And even in places like later on, when it would come up and they said like, oh, you're Jewish? And I was like, yeah, it was like, oh, a novelty or an, an other. But then I was very quickly like back feeling comfortable in my own white skin. As far as you, I don't know what you were. You were bizarre. You were totally sad and hopeless. I felt so terrible. You were like this little sack of, of, of you know, like eagerness and, and just destined for failure. Um, you know, you were like, I don't know, I don't, you're, you're taller than me now, but you were like way below average height. You know, I was like, what? Hello? You know, so and you had big glasses and this was when glasses weren't cool. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think that I probably just lumped you in. You had a mustache though, which was amazing. In seventh grade, you had a thick, bushy, thick mustache. And we thought that's, well, a, the, it, no, you didn't. Um, I didn't go through puberty until college. Like You didn't go through puberty. I'm still waiting for puberty. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, to get back to your original question, uh, 10, <laughs> 10 minutes in, um, I think I probably assumed you were Indian. And when Indian was like, um, you know, like... Like a color. Guys. It was, yeah, it was a color. They were like guys that wore turbans. I was like, oh, that's an Indian thing. But they're dudes. And um, they might have long hair, but it's hard to tell. And I think I probably assumed you're Indian. And then when I heard that you were Egyptian, when we, we got to talking, um, you know, you didn't have an accent. You, you spoke and acted like any other typical kid that I would have considered American. So, you know, I realized that you'd grown up here or you'd grown up around like, you know, people who spoke English without an accent. And so I was like, oh, Egyptian, like I know where that is because I have relatives in Israel. And so I think then I thought, oh, so you're not Jewish. Um, and I probably, it's hard to think back then, I probably like asked if you were Arab because I think I'd assume, I still, I'm still like painfully not totally clear on what Arab and Arabic, like I know there are people that speak Arabic, but they're not necessarily Arab or, you know, but I think I probably asked about that and you were like, no, I'm Christian. And I was like, Okay, but that I understood because I knew that there were Koreans that went to church. I knew there were other people that weren't necessarily white people that went to church. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I saw you as, I think if I had to rank the order of, of uh, identities that I, that in my, you know, so uh, my, my experienced, uh, brilliant adolescent mind, I probably saw you as like a doofus first. Um, like brown skinned, which I like got, which I understood. And then as Christian was like, okay, well that makes sense. I know what that is. And then after that, I think we probably just started to become friends and talk more as people. But does that answer your, your question? Yeah, yeah. And I think that- um, Oh, sorry, I'll add one more thing. I didn't know that you were Orthodox. I don't think I knew that you were Orthodox or Coptic until much later. Because yeah. when you said that's another level, which I don't know if you want to talk about, but when you say yeah. Christian, I just think like, oh, you know, like, you yeah. know, Santa Claus and guilt, you know, so like that's that's what I think of. Listen, um, you guys are doing just fine with the guilt yourselves, by the way. Oh, I'm a no, we're, we're guilt, Coptic guilt, Catholic guilt, like we're bro brothers, brothers from another mother. I'm telling you, we understand guilt. Um, but I, so the, the Coptic part didn't come later, but I think I, that's what I saw you as like kind of like a, a, a geeky Goofus. kid. Goofus, uh, brown skinned, I know what that is. And then Christian, that makes sense. Um, yeah.
Um, you, you reminded me actually of a, a, a funny, um, not, not really funny at the time, like funny in retrospect, mm-hmm. um, that I, I don't know if I should mention the name, but like one, one of the people that you would definitely recognize the name um, from middle school and high school, every time I would walk into the room, he'd say, when Mina was in Egypt land. <laughs> right. My people go. Right. And I'm like, you know, so-and-so, it doesn't make any sense because I'm not Moses. Moses right. would do it. And like, right. Right. it annoyed me that he was teasing me. Yeah. It annoyed me that he was like teasing, like the fact that I was Egyptian, but it really, really burned me that like the logic of it just- That he got me. it wrong. Yeah. Right. Like, you're like, if you're going to be funny, at least be accurate. Yeah. I'm like, well, there's nothing witty about that. Well, and this goes, this goes back to, you know, like when we started, but you know, kids are so dumb. Kids are so dumb and they're so cruel and they're so like, I remember, we probably talked about this, but I remember that in middle school, the thing was to just not care about anything. That was the thing. The thing was to just whatever anything if you showed any interest at all in anything you were a whatever insert that thing idiot you know so it's like so i was interested in music like oh band geek band idiot blah 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 but you know like that and it was and i think obviously so much of it is just the um the the uh uh, lack of self-confidence in middle school kids and kids that age and the this like very inherently human need to categorize things to understand them right um and i've been reading and talking a lot about this that like that's really a very useful trait to categorize things it's just that like it's sort of spun a little bit out of control for us because it's been like squeezed through the 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 ringer of of um politics and of economics and of religion and of all these things where it becomes like a divisive thing rather than a helpful thing. But I, I just remember that in middle school, especially it was just like label, label, boom. Like, so I, and I imagine, I think I even know who you're talking about. Is it SM? Are those the initials? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so um, yeah, because, and I remember that kid and he was funny because he did that with everyone. He was like, he nailed every hit, every he had a thing for everyone. Um, but it's funny when you're in middle school and you're like, oh my God, anything to divert the attention from me. But, you know, kids will, they will do that. I mean, I remember like, yeah. And, and I remember that happening and I know there were other kids like who would have some like novel quality about them and it was instantly pegged and whatever. And so, you know, I think that like to your misfortune, you were just such an easy target because you oh, were yeah. the only Egyptian kid we had. And no, it wasn't even it wasn't even that. Like that wasn't the most prevalent thing. You don't remember like what I was called for six years? No, what were you called for six years? So I don't remember. You do, so in seventh grade, what show was I on? Uh, oh, this was the kiss of death. This was like, oh, the new kid that went on Carmen San Diego. Oh, no, I didn't know that one. You, what? You, you were on Carmen San Diego? I like to me, like that was like the bane of my existence that I went on that show and like, like SM had his song, right? And everybody else 
every time I walked into a room, they'd be like, where in the world? <laughs> I should have oh, never moved here. I missed that whole thing. I had no idea you were in Carmen San Diego. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a rogue tape floating Is around. Is there? Can and I? If you want to reminisce about, like, <laughs> like you remember the hair, <coughs> the, the whole thing is on is on uh, video. To yeah. I, so you hear you where you came in the first day and you were like, "Hey, guess what? I did something cool." And you told everyone, and then that was no, no, no. You didn't no, even no, tell no. anyone. No, they came to the school. They came to the school and was they I out this week. I don't remember any of it. That's why I'm, I'm like, we're 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 like, did we go to the same school? So I was they, in the band room. <laughs> yeah. So they they gave. Can I ask you a question though? Yeah. Well, just just a point of clarification. So where exactly is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> you're you're lucky this is being recorded. <laughs> so they came. You, to, you don't know. And they gave everybody a test, and everybody that met like a certain threshold on the test, they interviewed you, us yeah. all in the room together, and ah. they basically had us go around and say like basically what we would say at the beginning of the show. And because I'd lived like different places, like I was born in Egypt and I lived in Puerto Rico and like I lived in Queens and then I moved to Long Island, you know, it was different, you know, like from right. the rest of the room, like, you know, I play on a soccer right. team and like, I like to do things. Right. Right. Um, so I think that's why they picked me and they announced it on like the loudspeaker. So the whole school oh knew they're like, you know, we have an announcement for who was selected to do Carmen San Diego. <laughs> right. And it's from the seventh grade. Uh, and it's Mina. Right. They probably like mispronounced my name. It's probably Mina Mesha. Our new student, Yasser Arafat. <laughs> he <laughs> is brown skinned and small. You probably noticed him sitting in the corner by himself. He has been awarded some honor that you will doubtless turn into a point of ridicule. That's all <laughs> soccer club meets at four o'clock. Absolutely. So the announcement, oh, and like everybody just turned and looked at me and I was like, I've never done this. I missed the whole thing. I had no idea, but I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But it's amazing I, though, how, how something. Remember the, 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 uh, what's it called? The, um, the, the captain of the football team that played uh, quarterback. Oh yeah. Six years. Carmen, what's up? <laughs> really? <laughs> Nice to see you. Yeah, yeah. So this is something yeah. that I think, like, not only were you sort of oblivious to to a certain respect, respect but I always um, admired how, like, you were kind of above it. Like, they'd call you the band geek, and you'd be like, yeah, that's very funny. And, <laughs> like, that would be the end of it, right? <laughs> and I told you this story before. There, that there was is a, a fact. What's that? It's a band gig. I say that is a fact. Yes, right. like, absolutely. correct. There's nothing wrong with that. And like yeah. somebody else might be like, no, "Don't call me that." Yeah. Um, but there was one time, like this is like burned into my memory. Like I had, I had like I can play this video in my head. We were in the hallway, and I was with you know one of my geeky friends that you know um, that all uh, I always hung out with, and you know like sat at lunch with, and like you know that like that geek group. Um, and one of the bullies is walking down the hall and out of nowhere, for no reason, starts pushing my friend. And, and we're both like, like, what are you doing, bro? Mm -hmm. And like, there was like a good, like six to eight inch difference between the two of them. 
And then you come up and you automatically read the whole situation. You were like, I know what's going on here. This guy just wants attention. And you were like, hey, you know, you said the bully's name. You're like, hey, what's up, man? How are you? And he's like, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> and then he, he, he like, because you like recognized that he was like in existence, he like left my friend alone. He forgot and what then, he was doing. And we were like, like me and the friend like looked at each other and like looked at you like, like how did that work? But you always seem to have like a good sense of the, the social dynamics on a level that like the rest of us were like, like, lemmings like running down the hallway and you're like looking like yes we will we will run down the hallway like lemmings and i will enjoy my adolescence but i will do so with awareness right right where did that come from well i appreciate i do remember i remember us talking about this and i vaguely remember that incident um i appreciate the compliment and it's nice to know that that worked and it helped um i don't know that i possessed like any uh like really sophisticated, like social awareness or, or um, you know, uh, above it allness. Um, but um, I, you know, I, I think that um, I think I was lucky in some ways, like to to be able to navigate some of that stuff. You know, like I, it's funny you mentioned that because it sounds like a very brave kind of like subversive, you know, crafty thing to do. And in the current climate, um, which we can get into or not, but um, I, I feel a little like, I wish I were a little braver. Like I wish it still had some some more of that. You know, I'm thinking about like ways to assert my beliefs and who, you know, who and what I think would really be good for us at this moment. And, and sometimes I wish I was a little more brave, but um, I don't know, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, as far as the middle school, you know, I don't know. I, I have, re I had really good parents. I have really good parents. I was very close with my dad and who is a psychologist by training. And he, he's not a weirdo. Like he's not one of these, like, tell me how you're feeling about your mustache. You know, like he's just like a dude, he's a normal guy and he's just good at his job. And so I think that he never put me on the couch, so to speak, but you know, like we talked a lot. Um, and I, I remember like just generally from that period, I remember um, being very hurt and being very upset by a lot of that kind of stuff. And I remember it being stressful, but I also remember being aware that it was like a thing that was not my fault and a thing that was going to pass. So I think maybe when you talk about that, that higher than being higher than or being above, I think you said being above it. Like, I think I was sort of above it in like a, in like a, um, um, like an analytical sense, like, you know, middle school was, was very embarrassing and difficult. And I was just talking to my wife about how, um, um, cause we both teach middle schoolers. So we deal with middle schoolers. And so I'm talking about how that, how, like, I used to stand in front of my mirror for like 45 minutes in the morning, you know, like readjusting the same shirt or like putting on a different, it's like all my shirts were the same and there was no, there was nothing fancy about or there's nothing like really different about any one shirt or pair of jeans or sneakers or, but somehow I was convinced that I could make it look better and that it didn't look right, you know? And I did that every day. I tried to get my hair to look right. I looked at my 
glasses and my braces. And, you know, it's like I was very aware of all that stuff. I was very aware that kids would call me a band geek and worse. I was very aware that my friends would be like totally giving me a hard time in the lunchroom. And then someone new would come sit down and then they would give that person a hard time. And then someone like I was aware of all this stuff. It was it bothered me. It was like embarrassing. But I also knew, I think, because of my parents and, and just, you know, because I had things I had sources of self-esteem um, that it was like, even though this is totally like like crazy sauce, it's not my fault. I didn't make it. There's nothing I need to do to make it stop. And it eventually it will go away. So I had a little bit of like a, a like a high road view and it was uncomfortable, but I was able to get through it. Um, you know, and I had plenty of bad moments too. I had moments with bullies and I had moments where I like sort of wish I'd stood up a little more than I did. And, but um, I remember like by the time I got to high school, I looked around one day and I was like, oh, like that's not a problem anymore. Not because it it really changed just because I don't care anymore. Like now I'm like, I found my people, you know, and I was a good student. I was into music and I had friends. And so I was like, okay, like I've exited this thing. Um, does that, does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I actually... I see that you still roll up your sleeves the same way that you used to. <laughs> Did I really? Yeah, that's my that's my thing. That's your thing, and I I actually copied you, and I I would like I'm like okay, roll I, them up now, do it, roll them up. I'm roll gonna up. fit in yeah. because you know, <laughs> this is what we do. Like right, we're gonna roll up our sleeves, and I'm like, how many turns is that? I how think how many exactly? I'm like, how many folds do you do? And you're like, yeah, what? Fold it. And there was actually one time where. I was on the bus stop and I had like my already not like the right length jeans <laughs> rolled up uh-huh. and you look down and you're like, you know, you don't have to roll up your jeans. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I thought, I thought that's, I thought that was a thing. That was, yeah. I mean, and you're like, it's okay not to roll them up. It's fine. Right for you to just have the jeans down. Right. And like, you gave me permission to unroll my jeans. And I was yeah. like, okay, cause like they really felt short to me. Right. And now they seem like a more reasonable length and I unrolled them and you're like, good. Yeah. And I was like, all right. How do you now, feel? How do you feel about that now? Yeah. I'm like, um, I feel good. And yeah, like, things that like now at like the age we're at now, which we're not going to mention, we're like, what are you talking about? Like, like, are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. I still remember. And like part of my identity is looking back to that like awkward kid on the bus stop who had zero place anywhere. And at least the kid down the street was like, hey, I like you. You're a good guy. Right. You seem like you need a little help. <laughs> right. You know, have you considered this? Right. Um, have you considered not? Have you? Can I curse on this program? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not that, I don't think it's that. Like, have you considered not caring about what other people think? Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I, I I'm laughing. I because I can picture you there, and I yeah. I, I'm glad that it helped. I'm glad you felt that way. Um, I you know I, I don't think I did it out of any like 
really heroic sense of decency. Like, I think we were friends. Like, I don't know, like you were funny and fun and we lived down the block from each other and we met up and we became friends. Like it, it seemed was like a natural thing. And I think when, you know, you try to help out your friends, I, I, it's so hard. It's so hard to figure that stuff out. And I see it now from, from adulthood. I see it in my students, but also like in my friends, kids and other kids I meet. And it, it's, it's so hard to, when someone says to you, um, I know you feel really self-conscious now, but this is, it's not going to be like this forever. It's going to pass. It is the hardest thing to understand. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, um, I have a history of depression in my family. And so I've been through depressive episodes and when you go through a depression, it's not like being sad. It's like a total loss of hope and perspective. You just feel like there is no reason to continue. It's like it, even, even taking your life would be too much work. It's really, really terrible. And it has nothing to do with how positive a person you are. Like I'm a very happy, positive person. And I was very happy and achieved and I was very successful um, I'm well, I don't know. I was successful at what I was doing. I was, I had a job, I was doing my thing. I, you know, I was in relationships and for a, a, a combination of circumstances, some physical, some psychological, some just situational, what was going on. I, mean, I fell into this depression and it's like, it didn't matter how many people said it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It didn't feel like it was going to be okay. Cause when your brain turns on you, it's super scary and it's very insular and isolating. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky that I had a lot of support and I had good doctors and I came out of it and it's something that I deal with and I manage and I'm fine. Um, but being a teenager is a little like that. It's like that hole you climb into and it just, you can only see out of your eyes and you have no experience. You have no life experience because when you're a child, you're a child, you don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden there's all this crazy stuff going on around you. It's like, you know, we were joking before, but it's like your body is hormonal. You don't, you're crying, you're growing hair, things smell, things, you're knocking things over, you know, all of a sudden you're aware of like uh, romantic attractions. I mean, I like, that's a whole, I have a good story about, I could tell you another story about that, but um, it's like nothing makes sense. And it's just a miracle that you can function at all. Like sometimes I look at these kids in middle school, I'm like, I'm so glad that you're just here. Like I like even if you do nothing today, I'm proud of you that you made it because it's like I could barely function. You know, you're just like you think everyone's looking at you. It's really hard to prioritize and to see past your own self-absorption. And I think teenagers get a bad rap because they say, oh, they're so self-absorbed. It's like, yes, they are. They can't help it. You know, some teenagers become self-absorbed to a point where they're just really out of touch with reality and they think that if they don't have XYZ designer jeans by yesterday, they're going to be the laughing stock. And that's problematic and I think it speaks to bad parenting. But there's other stuff that's like, yeah, you're just, you're going to be self-conscious and it's really sucks. And when you don't have a lot of friends or you don't have something that you're good at or that you feel like you're good at, or, you know, you feel different, um, 
that can be really debilitating. And, and I think, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but I mean, you showed up and you didn't know anyone and you look different. And those are like two pretty big strikes, you know? So it's, it's, it's pretty impressive that like you were able to function at all. And you actually it didn't did. really, it didn't. Really. Well, but you did, you did, you know, but, um, I don't know. I, I sort of went on a tangent there, but, but I, I, I do feel for teenagers and, and, um, I feel less for adults. Like I don't feel quite as bad for adults who are so self-absorbed that they can't deal with other people. Cause I feel like you had your time to work that out, you know, but I do understand it. Um, but it's hard for kids. And, and I think that as advocates, um, in any, you know, if you're an advocate, you know, if you, if through the church, through boy scouts, through a team, as a coach, as a teacher, as a parent, as an uncle, whatever, you, you know, like you have to just remind kids it's, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Like I try to use humor, um, you know, like when things get weird in my classes and the kids are, you know, I say, listen, puberty's tough. Everybody's, you know, I know there's a lot of growth and hormones and they all get this like look and I'm like, it's okay. It's going to, you know, like, but it's like an equalizer. It's like everybody be quiet because I know puberty's tough, you know. Um, you, you have to be, you have to have compassion and be empathetic and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to figure out who you are. Um, but, but, you know, we can do it. People do it and we can do it and, and you don't have to get it right on the first try. You know, there's like lots of ways to be a person. So, um, which, and I'm sure this comes up with your, in your work with the church too. It's, it's not like a, like, oh. Um, I, I saved myself today. I figured it out. I'm on the right path. You know, it's, it's a lot of work, you know? So, um, I mean, for Jews, it's not work. It's easy for us because we're Jewish, but right, yeah. for everybody, I mean, we're chosen. We're the chosen people. We're, we're out. You're in. No problem. <laughs> um, but I, I think that brings us to like probably later in the uh, episode that I would have expected, but uh, I think this is the time where I mustache you something. Oh, here it is. Okay. That was just, so that was just warm up. That was just warm up. I wasn't even the question. No, right. no, that was just us getting to know each other because, you know, we don't, we don't go far back enough. So we're just getting to know each other. Should I stretch uh, or something before you ask me the question? Should I? No, I think you're ready. You, you like, trust me, you're loose. You're good. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good to go. <laughs> but I, I think with a lot of people that I'm talking okay. um, and like I told you, like a lot of them are from our community, like, like you know, like Christian, Coptic, Egyptian, and even within us, we don't have like a good sense of, okay, why are some people so locked into a specific idea and other people are going to be able to look past themselves and outside of themselves? And this is a question that kind of keeps coming up um, with the different conversations that I'm having with people. And I think that you, you hit on that, that, you know, it's normal for a teenager, but like at some point you need to grow out of that and be able to say, okay, like I need to see things from someone else's perspective. So regardless of whether we're talking about culture or faith or politics or uh, any kind of opinion or any kind of perspective, what, you know, how, how would you frame it for someone that um, you think might not necessarily have grown up? And how would you tell them like, 
hey, like, like, how do you help them to crack out of that? Like, what's the, what's the, what's the path there? Because A is this teenager, like, I only see it from mm-hmm. my perspective. And B is this work in progress. It's not like, oh, like now we're, you know, sort of on the other side and we're always selfless and perfect. No, but like, we've at least recognized the need to work outside of our own perspective to try at least to see the perspectives of others. So if you feel like someone is potentially A, how do you how do you say this is how we nudge you in that direction to be? Well, that's a great question. I, I wish I had like a really uh, a good answer because I would I would take that advice myself. Um, <clears throat> there are a couple of things that come to mind. Um, the first thing is that um, just like the going back to the teenage conversation, I think to just take a step back and say, I am aware that I'm not the only person who hasn't figured it out is really helpful. I think that, and, and I hope I didn't, wasn't too, too, um, callous when I tossed and said that line before, but when I say I have trouble dealing with people who, who, you know, are grown up and they still haven't figured it out, I, I guess what I mean more specifically is like people who are just like, consume with the idea that they haven't found themselves and it's it's a problem it's everybody's fault you know it's like so the first thing i say is like step out of yourself for a minute and realize that really we are all trying to figure ourselves out it's not something that oh that guy seems like they've got a good job they must be set or that guy's got a hot wife he must be set or you know that guy's got a hit record he must be set it's, I mean, come on, like, we know that's not the case. And so to, to number one, to just step out of that and realize that it is okay to be in progress. Like that's part of, part of getting there is just admitting that it's a process getting there, right? I'm a pretty happy person. I'm not happy all the time. I'm certainly not happy with everything about my life, but I don't, I don't feel like um, I'm grossly lacking in some one particular thing that if I had it together, then I'd be set. You know, I have a little more perspective than that. So I think that's a good, a good first step. Um, secondly, um, I think that um, it's important to realize that there's, you're not going to, that you can't lean on any one thing in total. Um, you know, and, and Can you clarify that. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So now we, I, I don't know, you may push back on this cause you're, uh, you're a man of faith more so than I am, but you can't wait around for the perfect job to make you happy. You can't wait for the perfect person to marry. You can't wait for the perfect sign from God to be happy. You can't wait for the perfect accomplishment to be happy. Like there's no one thing, you know, when you get married, you cannot expect everything from that person. You are a person, they're a person, and you're connected and you're partners and you love each other, but you have to have your own lives too. You cannot depend on that one person to provide all your happiness. You cannot make every one of their hobbies your hobbies, right? Um, you cannot equate your job with happiness. If, if I have a really bad day with my students and I feel awful, 
I, I have to stop myself and say, you're not an awful teacher, you just had a bad day. You know, if I do a recording session and it comes out and it gets released and it sounds terrible or I feel like it's not what I want it to play, I can't beat myself up because I'm a terrible musician. You know, like you, you cannot hang all of your self-worth on that. And <clears throat> I think that just those two examples, you know, you look at what's on TV, what's in the movies, what celebrities do, every movie's like oh i was miserable till i found that one person and then that person fixed me and now i'm great it's like that's not the way it works you know like marriage is hard it's a it's a journey you support each other but you have to bring a lot to it yourself and you have to also maintain your strength yourself um every any like movie about you know uh the 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 music industry when it's like oh we had that one hit and we made it it's like great that's not that's great but that doesn't make you know, one hit, a career of satisfaction does not make. Um, and uh, I'm not a deeply religious person, but I feel like if you're just waiting around for God to give you a sign, that's also not a real commitment to faith. Like commitment to faith and religion is a continued effort to do the right thing, be the right person, to help others, to live by a certain set of standards and to know that you're going to fail and miss and be willing to get back on the horse. Um, so that's that's sort of what I mean by like, you can't hang everything on one thing. You, you have to be aware that life is a, a combination of, of, of uh, experiences and parts and powers and that you've got to like traffic in all of those things if you want to feel whole and feel like yourself and feel like you have something to, to offer. You use the word satisfaction. What gives you the most satisfaction? Because um, uh, if it's not this thing, right? If it's not right. like, oh, as you know, as soon as I then, but right. you know, I don't think you're also not saying like, don't bother being satisfied, right? Right. No, not at all. Um, so what is the? Um. You know, I think uh, I think for me, I have this idea of doing good work. Um, you know, like, and and not to be too cheesy, but to go back to like middle school, right? When I was talking about my parents, like, you know, my my parents really did a good job of instilling this idea in me that if you do good work, like that's that's achievement. You know, you do good work. It, it doesn't mean that you get everything right. It doesn't mean that you ace your SATs. It doesn't mean you get into your top choice of college. It doesn't mean that you're, you're the number one singles player on the tennis team. Like all those things would be great. It doesn't mean that you, you get every solo in the orchestra or whatever, but you, you keep doing the work, like do good work, be honest, be proud of yourself. And that work will speak for itself and make you, make you happy and make you satisfied. So, um, you know, like lately I, I do a lot of work without getting into specifics. I do a lot of work that I feel like sometimes no one notices, you know, like I'm doing, you know, and like I have a social media presence or whatever, and, you know, and sometimes like I'll, I'll do something or I'll make something and I'll just go on a check and it's like, nine views, like three likes, you know? And then um, there's like a video of a cat pooping into a cup 
and it's got 30,000 views and 400 million subscribers. I'm like, what? you know, it's, and I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like without getting specifics, you get no, the idea. No, like, yeah, so there are times I just think like, yeah. huh, like I'm, like I'm working on this. I'm really working hard on this stuff and I'm trying to like get it out there. And it's like, I feel like, oh, is anybody even, you know, whatever. Um, and then I stop myself and I, on my good days, I stop myself and I say, you know what? You're doing good work. Like, would this be great if it had a gazillion views? Yes. Would it be great if like you were being paid a ton of money to do this work? Yes. Would it be great if like everyone was talking about it? Yes. Are all of those things like critical? No. The, the important thing is you're doing good work. Like you're not making videos of cats pooping into buckets. Like no offense to anyone who thinks that's, you know, a hobby. I mean, whatever, but you know, like if, if I, if I work on something, if I give a good class, I do a good lesson. If I do, if I have an experience where a couple of the kids are like, they just have that gleam in their eye. I mean, this sounds so cheesy, but it's like, you know, when they're just like, they really got it. They appreciated it when, when something happens and I'll, I'll learn like later on that there was more to the story, like so-and-so was really having a tough time with this. And it was really great that they participated. Um, when I, when I make or record something and then someone like sort of like that, I wouldn't expect is like, Hey, that's, that sounded great. Like I heard that, like so-and-so played that for me and it was great. I was like, you know, um, even, um, and, you know, this doesn't apply to everybody, but uh, as a parent, you know, I have a, I have a young kid and like just having a day where like we do the day and I can tell, like we get towards the end of the day and he's kind of, you know, cleaned off and teeth brushed and he's kind of like getting ready for bed. And I can tell that he's just like tired and happy and I feel very satisfied. I feel like, like I, I did, I dadded today. Like I got my dad in today, you know, and and that, and then I feel kind of connected to like, and this is another thing too, is that you, it helps me feel that connection. Like when I, when I make something and no one cares, but like one person mentioned it, I'm like, you know what? I can add that to the list of a hundred gazillion pieces of music that people made that no one cared about, that no one gave any credit to. It's like, yeah, that was a good one. And it's in there, you know, or like, the the gazillion moments that teachers all over the world dedicate themselves to help their students in conditions that are much more difficult than mine and they make a little difference and no one notices it's like yeah like that was good i did a good job today i know i did the right thing i don't know if anyone noticed it doesn't matter like i did the good work i feel good and and um i think feeling connected to others in that spectrum of experience it's like you're getting out of your teenage self. You're getting out of your bubble. It's like, I did something and maybe it wasn't a huge whatever, but I know it was good work and that's what we're all trying to do. And so it's less about me and like, oh God, does my shirt look okay? It's more about like, yeah, like put that one in the books. That was a good day, I did it. Um, I think that um, having an awareness of, of the world outside you and the world before and after you helps to feel less um helps me to feel fuller because i don't i'm not just like judging everything on like uh okay one to a hundred how did i do today it's like one to a hundred like i did some work that you know it's like what people have been doing for generations and generations and 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 there's always someone that has it harder than you 
and there's someone someone that has it easier than you so it's like not worth getting too caught up in that stuff like you gotta just go from where you are um i could get i'll give one more example and, and this is not i didn't make this up somebody explained this to me i forget who or where i read it but there it was like um Somebody was saying like, oh man, I, you know, I dropped my cell phone in the toilet and I was so pissed off and I was like, God, I just bought that. And then I stopped and I realized, look at me complaining about my first world problems, you know. And so the person was saying, you know, here's a way to deal with that. You think micro and macro. So it's like in your micro world, that's super aggravating. An iPhone is expensive. Presumably you worked to, at your job to afford it. It's a tool. It sucks that you dropped it and now you have to go buy another one and it's frustrating and it's okay to be frustrated and to be like, oh my God, this is the worst day. It's okay to have that feeling. But then at a certain point, like you put that grieving away, you know, it's like, all right, well, whatever, it's a couple hundred bucks, like I'm just going to have to re-fork over. You put that aside and look at the macro of like, the world is on fire, children are dying of preventable diseases there's a wealth gap like there are bigger problems that deserve my respect and attention and then you spend a little time like either addressing those issues like you go online and you donate or you go to your nonprofit or you whatever it is or at least just sort of sit and be thankful for what you have and realize that you're not the only one and you know like work in the real world i think it's okay to have both of those things it's okay to be upset about you know it's like if you were a starving child somewhere, you wouldn't care about an iPhone, but you're not a starving child. So an iPhone is a big deal and it's okay to be upset, but it's not okay to make that your whole reality. So you have to, you have to travel between your micro and be aware of the macro. And I think if we can all do that, um, we would be a lot more uh, satisfied and more um, aware of of our privilege and and of our good luck and of the work that we we have to do not just wrapped up on tiny details and missing the the bigger picture i love it i actually had like i'm so good at this i'm not you should ask me another question yeah, I'm I, think, I think everybody Are people writing this down no no i'm gonna cancel everybody else and i'm just gonna talk to you every day I think um, I, I, I maybe there, sh there should be a transcript. This is amazing pearls of wisdom that I'm giving. How much are you paying me for this? What is it? When is the check coming? I'm paying you with my gratitude. I'll take it. Yeah, they're, they're good questions. It's, it's hard. We're all working on it, you know, and, and actually I had like several follow up questions that you actually answered. Like, I, like when you were talking, I was like, okay, but then how about, and then you, you, you got into it. So like the, like the, the flow and the train of thought, I really, you know, was um, right, right there with you in terms of, cool. okay, like, you know, these are the things that are out of your control. These are the things that are in your control. Even some of the things that are in your control, like you're not gonna do them as well as you mm -hmm. wish you did. Um, and I think the point about just doing the best that you can and the, and for me, the connection is the most important thing. And that's part of the reason I'm doing this is, you know, all of the people that I'm, I'm talking to are people that I feel super connected to and super grateful that they kind of got me to this point where like you in like middle school and high school and other people in college and other people after that, that I don't know where I would have been without you guys and without 
like somebody saying like, hey, like there's something good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's some reason for us to say like, I don't hate everybody and everything. I just hate most things and most people. Like <laughs> right. Jesse, I love Jesse. Like right. I, at least I can go to school and I know if I see Jesse, it's going to be like, oh, okay, good. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful for your wisdom, both then and now. Um, you know, someone, um, I heard, uh, I was doing a orientation for a, um, a camp thing, a group that, an organization I, that I work for that um, takes students out on trips, like takes them around the world and sort of like guides them and, and um, supervises and, and instructs and, you know, so this is like an orientation. It was actually like a really cool organization. And someone said this thing that it sounds so hippy dippy, but it really, it really makes a lot of sense and it stuck with me. And they said, <clears throat> you know, you have to imagine that if someone's life, um, imagine that someone's life, the trajectory of their life is, is like an arrow, right? And it's a very long path. It's like a hundred year path. So, you know, if you nudge someone, even a fraction of a degree, over the course of their lifetime, the, the, the change in the trajectory is massive. Right. And we are all sort of a sum total of all of the forces that have acted on our trajectory. And, you know, it's like looking back, it's impossible, you know, unless you're in like a Gwyneth Paltrow movie, like to, to track back all of the, shout out to Gwyneth. Hey, Gwyneth. Um, I'm sure she's, I'm available, you know, um, <laughs> I'm not romantically, I mean like available for, for any kind of endorsement, although, you know, this ring comes off. So, um, Hey, th you can edit that out. Um, I love, no editing. It's I love my wife. I love my wife. Um, uh, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh yeah. Y you know, it's like, it seems like silly to track back. The, the little things that changed you, but that's the, it's, that's the reality is that these things change you. And the same as you, like, I can think back on like, you know, a, a good handful of moments that in the life of the person who was administering that nudge, probably that didn't give them a seconds, you know, they didn't even think about it, but were very impactful on me. And so, you know, like you need to, you need to, it's, those things are important. You know, you need to model the right behavior. And, and I think doing, trying to do good work and to look at yourself as part of a connection to other people is, is a good place to start because none of us have the answers and none of us have the control, but you can control, you know, what you try to put out there in the world. And you can also surround yourself as much as possible with people that share similar value systems. Um, and, and I think that it's like, you can collectively kind of try to, um, keep your, keep your nudges all in, all in a good, on a good, a good nudge plan, plan of nudgery. I yeah. I love it. Copyright. Gwyneth Paltrow can have that no, no, plan no, of nudgery. No, it's copyrighted. Proprietary. Proprietary. Uh, yeah. Enterprises. Nudge nudge control. Nudge control. So any last uh any last thoughts, my friend, before we sign off? 
Um, are, do you have any tips for me in terms of growing my mustache out? Is there any, is there any kind of, can you show them? Can you lean a little bit? Cause you, you had a little bit of, uh, it's, it's, it's so pathetic. It's just, this is it. There's, you can't, it's doesn't even register the, the, the resolution on my, my, my webcam doesn't even. Um, maybe you can fix it in post. You could pencil maybe, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just do, do like a cartoon mustache on your face. I know, but I just, you know, I was shaving this morning and I thought, you know what? I'm going to just, it's today's the day. It's now or never. Today's the do day. Um, um, what, what is, what is your, you have, a whole, you have a whole month to grow it out. I know. I'll, maybe I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I th actually, <laughs> I have to say that when I mentioned to my wife, I said, I said, you remember Mina, right? I'm, I'm doing a call with him tomorrow. He's, he's, he's doing a web series and we're going to talk and, and I said, it's for Movember, and she just stopped, but she just goes, please don't grow a mustache. <laughs> that. That, was, that, was, that was her comment. That was I'm, her nudge. Right. I'm, I'm the constant heel for all wives, <laughs> everywhere, so, including my own. So what is, um, what, what is your goal at the end of this series? What are you hoping to have uh, provided? We've achieved, it. We've achieved it. Like, I enjoyed this conversation, and, you know, I think... Uh, if someone happens to watch this and they benefit from your wisdom, great. If if it's just me, that's good enough. Oh man, I love it. Good to see well, you, thank dude. You, Jesse. Yeah, uh, man. Great to see you. Uh, thank you for listening. Take care, guys. Absolutely.